Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnards on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me. Yeah, it's him. On this episode, we're going to be continuing our series in which we discuss the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. And we'll also be previewing the first round matchups in the Eastern Conference. On this episode, we're going to be discussing players who attended Colorado. This is a solo episode. Uh, we're not going to be comparing two teams. We'll just be discussing the 25 players or the best of the 25 players who attended the University of Colorado. As we do on these episodes, we go position by position, starting at center, followed by power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. Without further ado, Emilio, who do you have at Colorado Center? Jim Davis. Now, is this the creator of the Garfield cartoons that you're referring to, Jim Davis? No. Okay, tell us a little <laughs> bit about Jim Davis. Um, he was a center. He was pretty bad. And, yeah, I mean, he played in the league. Yeah, a little bit slim pickings when you're looking at Colorado big men. I, I would agree with that, as we're going to uh, get into again with uh, our power forward, I think, in all likelihood. But, uh, yeah, Jim Davis with a fairly unremarkable career, although it did last for quite some time, 597 career games. Guy averaged 6.7 points per game across that period of time, lasting from uh, 1967 to uh, 1975. Had some run with uh, with a whole bunch of different teams after being drafted by the Pistons in the uh, second, uh, sorry, the fourth round of the 1964 NBA draft. Sadly, Jim Davis, this one, no longer with us. Maybe not as well known as some other uh, Jim Davises, but is the other Jim Davis still alive? The uh, creator of Garfield, yes. Thank goodness, Jim Davis is still alive. Creator of uh, Garfield as well as U.S. Acres, a beloved uh, cartoon as well. Mm. All right, so not, not a ton to say on Jim Davis, I wouldn't say. I mean, there's not a lot of information out there about him. Obviously played quite some time ago. He was my choice at center, too, though, given the uh, the available options. Let's move on to power forward. Mills, who'd you have there? I um, had Scott Wedman. Scott Wedman, yes. Tell us a little bit about Scott Wedman. I had him on my team as well at small forward. Ooh, okay. Um... Yeah, Scott Lundman, I think, was a decent player. I mean, he was 6'7", 215, two-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ. Yeah. Yeah, made an all-defensive team. I know uh, you'd be impressed. He made an all-rookie team in 74-75. Yeah, drafted uh, number six overall in the 1974 NBA draft by the uh, Kansas City Omaha Kings. Made the uh, transition with with, with them to uh, just Kansas City, Kansas City Kings. And uh, really, I think, gained the most notoriety in his career, late in his career, coming off the bench as a member of the Celtics. Won a couple of titles with the Celtics teams, and I've seen him described as really a perfect fit for those squads, coming off the bench as a forward behind Bird and McHale. Yeah. Knew his role and uh, contributed at a high level for, uh, you know, what he needed to do. Obviously, you know, there have been number six overall picks who have done considerably more than Scott Wedman, but being a uh, important, valuable role player on a championship team, is uh, certainly a high calling when it comes to uh, contributing to NBA basketball. Yeah. So, yeah, he made my team as well. I think, um, you know, and again, indicative of, uh, of of the lack of options at the uh, the big spots for uh, for Colorado players. 
he made my team at small forward. I think that's the position that he played most during his career. Although yeah. you know, backing up uh, the likes of Mikhail and, uh, and and Bird certainly would move you at the power forward spot at times. I went a different direction though at power forward. I went with. Uh, I think I know. Yeah, fellow Matt B. Matt Bullard. Wow. Mills, are you looking into uh, Matt Bullard at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't a great player. Guy could really pop it though. I mean, he was a uh, part of uh, you know, big man six ten uh, two fifteen is listed at. Uh, we're looking at uh, Basketball Reference for this info. We appreciate Basketball Reference. He also went to Iowa. Yeah, he attended Iowa as well, so might come up in our Iowa episode. A little, uh, little sneak preview there. <laughs> I mean, not doing Iowa episode. Yeah, there are some good players from Iowa, but anyway, let's uh, let's, let's uh, table that for now. Uh, guy was a member of the uh, the Rockets title team in 93-94, and uh, not a huge role on any of the teams that he played on in his career. Averaged just 14.4 minutes per game during the regular season, I think even a little less than that in the postseason, but could definitely shoot it. I mean, a good three-point shooter, 38% for his career, not a ton of volume because, you know, he played at a time where yeah. you know, there wasn't a ton of volume available and obviously he wasn't playing a lot of minutes anyway, just averaging um, you know, two and a half three-point attempts per game. But 38%, that's pretty legit. He's a threat from out there. A big man who uh, who could stretch the floor like that had some value and obviously uh, was part of a really good team with uh, with, with those Rockets squads. Bounced around a little bit after after he was with the Rockets, uh, you know, had some appearances in, uh, in Atlanta and uh, with the Hornets, but definitely primarily a Rocket during his career, played the vast majority of his games there, and has uh, maintained a role in uh, Rockets fans' lives as a uh, member of the broadcast crew. Yeah. For quite a few yeah. years. Yeah. So uh, Matt Bullard, pretty solid choice uh, on this squad among the uh, the options that are available. Yeah. So at small forward, I had Andre Robertson. Andre Robertson, right? Not yeah. not Robertson. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Andre Robertson. Um. Yeah, I think he's a really good player. I mean, he made the all-defense team. Surprised he didn't make the all-rookie team. He's also a shooting guard. I think he's a good player. Just came back from an injury. Yeah, had been out for a really long time. I mean, the, uh, two years, I think, really. I mean, he came back at, at the uh, the point where we got things going again in the restart. Really great to see him back out there. Not getting a ton of run yet, but hopefully he'll be able to ramp up physically and uh, be more of a contributor as we get into these playoff games in the West, going up against the Rockets. There are certainly a lot of situations in which a defender of uh, Andre Robertson's caliber will be useful, I think, in, uh, in taking on the Rockets and, and other Western Conference playoff opponents. Yeah, I think he's a good player. Yeah, not much of a of an offensive player uh, at all. I mean, really low usage guy, uh, not, a, not a very efficient scorer, but really he's not out there for his scoring skill. He's a terrific wing defender, a guy who, you know, you can remember being thrown on some of the uh, top wing scorers during the early part of his career on some of these good Thunder teams that he's been a part of. You know, whether that's Clay Thompson or Steph Curry or you know, James Harden and the like, he's got the kind of size at, uh, at, at 6'7", 210 to uh, really give those guys some trouble. So definitely a useful player. He didn't make my squad because I was thinking of him more in the uh, shooting guard vein, but I think, and, and you know, it had been a little bit out, out, of, uh, out of mind over the course of the last couple of years being laid up with injury, but certainly optimistic that he can be a contributor once again to winning basketball. Yeah. And we're going to see more of that in the playoffs here. Yeah, and um, you had Scott Wedman. I had Scott Wedman at the uh, at the small forward, uh, but I, I think Andre Robertson a good choice too. Yeah, so at um, shooting guard, I had Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups, <laughs> yes. Uh, 
So I had him at the one, and uh, just take a moment here. He's uh, well. Why don't you run down his uh, some of his credentials, some some of uh, the highlights from his career? Um, five time All Star, NBA champion with the Pistons, three time All NBA, two time All Defense, and Finals MVP. Yeah, Chauncey Billups, uh, Mr. Big Shot, one of my favorite players, maybe my favorite player in NBA history. Uh, just to uh, get, get a little personal here for a moment, uh, I became a Piston fan back in uh, 1993, was uh, watching the NBA draft, didn't really have a team living in New York, but uh, hadn't really attached to the Knicks in any particular way, decided that whatever team drafted Lindsey Hunter was going to be my team. And as unlikely as it was for that to hold up on, uh, on, on that night, it actually did. And I'm here, uh, you know, 27 years later, still a Piston fan after all these years. And uh, the guy who really served the Pistons the best of all during that time has been Chauncey Billups, the man who delivered a championship along with uh, a whole bunch of great teammates on the 2004 Pistons team, but importantly, also never really, uh, never really let Piston fans down. I know uh, he's really beloved in in Colorado as well. Uh, I think three-time Mr. Basketball in Colorado, and a guy who could have played anywhere he wanted in the country. But uh, chose to stay home at, at University of Colorado, and I know uh, you know he remains beloved by uh, by co- Colorado residents and uh, Colorado natives now as well. Glad to uh, to share that with them because he's uh, certainly beloved by Piston fans as much as the, that uh, 2004 team had uh, had a whole bunch of uh, really important components. A bunch of those guys have uh, kind of kind of left the Pistons in uh, under less than ideal circumstances. Whether it was Ben Wallace departing to go sign as a free agent with the Bulls, the uh, uh, participation of the likes of uh, Tayshawn Prince and Rip Hamilton, and some of the ugliness that ensued after this fantastic Pistons run, uh, definitely you know kind of left a uh, left a bitter taste in, in in my mouth as a Piston fan uh, regarding some of those guys. And Chauncey really never had that opportunity having been traded in a gut punch moment I'll never forget for uh, for Allen Iverson uh, that was early in the um, early in the 2008-2009 season. Uh, Chauncey, a proud wearer of the uh, Piston 1, it's been retired in his honor, a great player and a guy who earned that title, Mr. Big Shot. I mean, uh, big shot after big shot by this guy could really, I mean, you just felt wonderful with him running the show and with him uh, in control, really Worked out so much better than Piston fans could ever have hoped for when he signed a deal for the middle-level exception as a free agent. And uh, certainly, I think Joe Dumars' uh, finest work as uh, Pistons GM, bringing this guy in, the guy who actually brought the Pistons all the way to the title. Really uh, a glorious title, one of my favorite moments as a uh, sports fan, I should say. Uh, that was a Pistons team that looked like it was on the come, looked like uh, it was going to be a squad that could challenge for titles. If everything broke right, over the course of the next few years, going up against that Laker team in the finals. Laker team that uh, cons- comprised of uh, four Hall of Famers and Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Karl Malone, Gary Payton, including one in Shaquille O'Neal, who I really could not stand at any point during his career. And it was uh, so satisfying to uh, be there, right there on the doorstep, ready to face the Lakers, expecting to lose, and then going through the emotions of, uh, you know, happy to be there, Oh, this is uh, this is interesting. The, uh, the Pistons actually have a chance here to. Uh, oh, actually, the Pistons are way better than the Lakers in this series, and are going to lay them out and uh, and be able to. Uh, they did. Yeah, be able to end Game Five, the clinching Game Five, by halftime, 
and just be able to uh, party it up and uh, celebrate the uh, the title in uh, the second half of um, that game five and win the t- win the championship. Yeah, so um, Chauncey, the biggest part of all of that, and uh, much beloved as a result. Um. Yeah. So, who do you have a show tonight? Uh, just to wrap that up, Chauncey, I think clearly the, the greatest player in the history of, of Colorado. I don't think there's any question yes. about that. I had Chauncey at my point guard. At shooting guard, I had Spencer Dinwiddie. That's why I had a point guard. All right, so tell us a little bit about Spencer Dinwiddie. Also a, uh, a Piston draft – well, originally a Piston, but uh, obviously has gone on to great success with the Nets. Yeah, I actually kind of like this guy. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, he's uh, – Big point guard who can also play off the ball, can shoot it, has uh, shown that he can be a like the productive leader of an offense. Uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know. I I, I think he's a good player. I mean, he's averaging twenty point six points per game this year, sixteen point eight points per game last year, and twelve point six points per game the year before that. Yeah. Yeah, he really had stepped into a larger role this past season with, uh, you know, obviously on that Brooklyn team that uh, will have KD back, but I uh, was missing Kyrie for a whole bunch of the season as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, pl- played a big role. I think he was a borderline all-star consideration as, as the season progressed this year and um, only only played his age 26 season this year. So I think he's, he's got a major, yes. uh, a lot in front of him at this point. And, you know, he's going to be on a good team next year, presumably with the, uh, the Nets getting healthy. Uh, had a uh, coronavirus diagnosis, has uh, missed uh, this playoff, unfortunately, has not been part of this exciting Nets run that they've been on through the seeding games and uh, heading into the playoffs now. We'll get to that in our in our next segment here. But I think uh, really promising player going forward as well. Interestingly, he's uh, uh, he has a child with the, uh, the sister of uh, Andre Robertson. He's uh, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Andre Robertson is his is Spencer Dinwiddie's kid's uncle. Anyway. So, um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Andre Robertson are brothers. They're not brothers. They're like brother-in-law, kind of. But he's Spencer Dinwiddie isn't married to the mother of his child, but the mother of his child is the sister of Andre Robertson. So two two Colorado guys uh, with with the connection here. Uh, off the court as well. Let's quickly run down our uh, our teams here, and we can uh, move on to some other notable players from Colorado. Um, yes, center Jim Davis, power forward Scott Webman, small forward Andre Robertson, shooting guard Chauncey Billups, and point guard Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I have uh, center Jim Davis, power forward Matt Bullard, small forward Scott Webman, uh, shooting guard Spencer Dinwiddie, and point guard Chauncey Billups. Let's get to a couple other guys who are currently in the league. Alec Burks. Yeah, let's talk about Alec Burks. What, what do you got about him? I think he's a good player. That's really. I don't know. I just that's really all I think about him. Just he's a decent player. Yeah, he was definitely really productive at, at Colorado, um, number twelve overall in the uh, two thousand eleven NBA draft. And uh, yeah, I mean he's you know getting well into his prime now. I think. I mean, at age twenty eight, has uh, has bounced around a bit in recent years after starting his career in Utah, where he played the first seven years of his career. I think like a, a solid enough bench scorer type. Yeah. You know, volume scorer can shoot the rock a little bit from three. Thirty six percent three point shooter for his career. And uh, yeah, I mean, useful. Uh, you know, NBA contributor. You can see him hanging around for a few more years. Only twenty eight. 
on the come though, Derek White. I mean, this guy has has really stepped it up. I think in in recent days, especially during these seeding games. Mills, what can you tell us about uh, Derek White? I think he's a very good three point shooter. Yeah, he's really like brought that into his game uh, more recently at any kind of significant volume. I know his, he had very small sample, 61% three-point shooting in his, his first season. I wonder but, how many threes he took. Uh, in, the, in that first season, yeah. Uh, he only took 13, but 8 out of 13 is pretty impressive. But in any event, his, his uh, volume has really gone up, and I think his, uh, his skills in general have really come more to the fore in the last uh, – even the last month here. Yes. Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see how central he becomes in uh, the Spurs' plans moving forward. You would assume, uh, you know, another another really nice uh, late first round pick by the Spurs, 29th overall in 2017, and we'll see how much they're uh, willing to lean on some of these guys who have emerged uh, during the uh, the seeding games. You know, him and um, Keldon Johnson, who I know has performed really well, and Deontay Murray. So we'll we'll see how much these guys become uh, key to the, to the Spurs planning going forward. Yeah, that's a good note. He is already 26, so came into the league kind of late. I mean, uh, you know, just turned 26, so next year he'll be his uh, age 26 season. But you're right. I mean, not maybe not a uh, as young a player as you might think based on his uh, experience level. Yeah, so um, anybody else you want to talk about? Yeah, I thought it would be worth mentioning uh, Jay Humphreys. Do you uh, look at this guy at all? 13th overall not pick in 84? Uh, really. I did look at him, but, like, not very good player. Yeah, I mean, had, had a solid enough career. I mean, 788 career games uh, during the regular season. You know, averaged uh, double digits during over the course of his career. But, yeah, I mean, relatively unremarkable. I mean, you know, for someone who started, you know, over 550 regular season games – uh, began his career with the Suns and made his way to the Bucks, the Jazz, and uh, finishing up with the Celtics at age 32. Uh, just you know, worthy of uh, of a mention here. Also wanted to mention another guy, one of three who has their numbers, uh, their uniform numbers retired by the University of Colorado, along with uh, Chauncey Billups and uh, Burdette Halderson, who uh, never made an appearance in the league. Uh, the guy who played back in the 50s. Uh, talking about Cliff Mealy. Uh, number seven overall pick back in 1971. Mills, any thoughts on uh, Cliff Mealy? Uh, no. All right. Well, uh, he was obviously a really good player in college if he got his number retired, and he's uh, only one of three. But uh, not not an especially notable career in the NBA. Played a few years with the Rockets back in the, in the early 70s uh, before wrapping up his career with the Lakers. Again, not a ton of NBA uh, talent from uh, from Colorado over the years. I mean, we're talking about just 25 players overall. One guy who I did want to mention, though, before we move on is uh, Bob Dahl. Cool. This guy was uh, – he was a doll. Nice. Yeah, I thought so, too. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let, let's take a, a quick break here, and we'll be back in just a moment to uh, discuss the East Round – East Round <laughs> – Eastern Conference first round matchups. And we're back to uh, kick off our uh, looks at the different first-round series that are going to be playing out in both the Eastern and Western Conference. We're going to start with the East here. Mills, let's uh, talk about Bucks Magic, the number one seed versus the number eight. Yeah, I think it's pro. I think the series is going to go to five games actually, and I think DJ Augustine is going to play well. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of experts are uh, projecting a buck sweep here. How do you see this playing out? I mean, do you think, uh, I mean, obviously all these games are being played in the same site, so there's no uh, home court advantage to speak of. Obviously they change the look of the 
facility when uh, one team is at home versus another. So for the first two games, you'll be seeing, you know, Bucks imagery and such around the, the, the court. But, um, you know, no travel to speak of, no fans in the building, obviously. I mean, the virtual fans are nice, but no, uh, no, no real fans, no, uh, no one sleeping in their own bed, that kind of thing. Although I, I suppose in this series, the, the games are physically in Orlando, so they, <laughs> the Magic are kind of home, but not really, right? Because they're, they're not able to actually go home. They're all there on campus. Um, so I, I've seen a lot of speculation that, that uh, you know, if teams get down in a series, it's, it's going to be a wrap, you know, I mean, especially teams that aren't favored like, like the Magic. Do you see the magic like finding a way to like break through early in the series? I mean, how do you see it playing out in terms of? Uh, games? I see um, the Bucks winning the first two games, mm-hmm. then the Magic coming out and winning maybe even both their home their second home games, probably only one, and then the Bucks um, winning that game. I think the Magic are going to win one of their home games. Interesting. And the Bucks are going to win all of their home games. And a cup, a bunch of the Magics. Yeah, I think the Magic are. Uh, I mean, I I tend to disagree here. I I, I think I'd pick the Magic and uh, excuse me, the Bucks in four. I think the Magic are just pretty outgunned, and the Bucks are going to be looking to get through the series as quickly as possible because I think the next round, you know, offers potentially considerably more challenge to them. So they'll probably be looking to you know get this over with, get rested, get comfortable uh, for, before the next series. But I mean, you know, the Magic are an NBA team. I could certainly see them. Uh, they're certainly capable of winning a game in the series, but I think the Bucks are going to have to be overwhelming favorites in this matchup. Would you say? Yes. So we had talked about uh, maybe making a projection for a series MVP for each one of these. So we'll do that. Mills, who do you uh, who do you see as series MVP in this matchup? Um, Chris Middleton. Yeah, I mean he's certainly you know a, a major threat to you know be popping at a high level throughout the series and, and to take that home. Obviously Giannis is a, is you know going to be a contender in any of these situations. Yeah, I just don't think he's gonna play it Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you know, if you have games where uh, the Bucks are leading big, I mean you could see Giannis getting some time off. I mean the yeah. same is true of Chris Middleton or any of these important players for the Bucks. Yeah. Hard to imagine the Magic mounting much of mm-hmm. a challenge. I, I know people uh kind of excited about the prospect of maybe seeing Jonathan Isaac uh, trying to D up Giannis over the course of a series. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that here because Jonathan Isaac is uh, no longer available. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, how the teams, what like how, what shape are the teams? Yeah. So, uh, what what notes did you want to uh, did you want to offer on on that score? I mean, yeah, the um, the Bucks don't. Ha- I mean, the Magic don't have like a front guard and movie. What? <laughs> Alfaro Camino? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They don't have Alfaro Camino at the moment. I mean, they're really, I mean, they're, they're playing with, uh, uh, you know, a team that's very centered on Nikola Vucevic and DJ Augustine, as you mentioned. Yeah, and um, Aaron Fournier is an illness. Yeah, I think the hope is that he's going to be back for, for this series yes. and that Aaron Gordon might be back as well. I know he's been uh, dinged up as well. But, I mean, you know, it still doesn't seem like it's going to be enough to, uh, to, to match up effectively with the Bucks. Let's yeah. uh, let, let, let's move on to uh, to the next of these series, one that should be a lot more competitive, in the uh, Pacers and the Heat. What, what do you see going on here? Yeah, I think. Um, oh, actually, I wanted to ask you who who do you think you, um, is going to be um, Series MVP? 
I'll, I'll say Giannis, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel too strongly about that one way or another. I, I agree with your logic that uh, I, I think it could be a situation where he doesn't play a ton if these games are not close. Uh huh. So, um, yeah. So in the Pacers Heat series, I think the Pacers, um, are gonna lose in five games. Yeah, you think the the Heat have a have a substantial edge here? Oh, I actually just just noticed that um, the Pacers are in the four seed, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of irrelevant, as we've been discussing, I mean, in terms of home court and stuff, but at least they'll have their signage up there in the first uh, first two games. So what, what makes you think uh, Miami has the edge here? I, I tend to agree with you. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of very close games, mm-hmm. like um, – a lot like five close games. The Pacers are only going to be able to pull away with one of them, and the Heat are going to win five. Yeah, I can definitely see the Heat uh, taking this. I feel like the, uh, the the Pacers really not at their best right now. Uh, they still don't have Demonte Sabonis, who's an important part of their attack. No Jeremy Lamb either. Uh, you, you certainly expect that uh, Victor Oladipo and T.J. Warren and Miles Turner, who have been dinged up a little bit, are going to be uh, be ready to go for for this series. But Victor Oladipo, I know your second favorite player in the league. I hate to speak ill of him in any way, but it doesn't seem to have quite the same burst and uh, efficiency that he did at his best before getting hurt, looking back a couple of years now. And I think the uh, the Heat are primed. I mean, they have. I think they're really ready to go. I mean, I think this uh, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson attack, you know, my man, Dr. 55, I think it's going to be really tough for, uh, for Indiana to slow down. I don't know if I ha- – I mean – I was torn between five and six games here. I think I'm going to go six because I do have a lot of respect for what Indiana has been able to accomplish. And I think, uh, you know, that attack of uh, TJ Warren and uh, Malcolm Brogdon with uh, Victor Oladipo is kind of a third option with Miles Turner lurking around too. I mean, they got a pretty good team. I mean, I have a lot of respect for what the Pacers have been able to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, they've got a deep squad as well. But I think, uh, you know, the coaching matchup, I mean, I like uh, I like where Miami sits with, with Eric Spolstra there. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really fun series to watch, one of the more fun uh, first-round series here. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the, the Heat in six. Yeah, um, series MVP I think will be um, um, – yeah, maybe uh, – I don't know. Um, Bam yeah, I think that's a great choice. I mean, I, I think he definitely has an opportunity to uh, to eat in this series. I'm going to take uh, Jimmy Butler. I think uh, as as like the the closest thing to a star on this Heat team. I think he's going to attract a lot of attention. I think he's going to be playing defense against T.J. Warren for a lot of the series, and I could see him uh, taking a prominent role with uh, you know in, in trying to shut T.J. Warren down. A guy who's been obviously really really effective during the uh, seeding games when he's played. Yes. So let's uh, let, let's keep moving here. Let's uh, get to the uh, the next series, which I think is is a pretty juicy one, although also unfortunately impacted by injuries in the uh, the Celtics and the Sixers. Yeah, um, I think um, the Celtics will win that one, and maybe like in six games. Yeah. So what's what's your feeling on uh, on on this series? I mean, how do you think the uh, the injury issues that uh, that Philly's facing in particular are going to impact this? Yeah, um, I think it's going to impact them a lot. I think they would actually have a chance if they had Ben Simmons back, but I do not think they have a chance now. 
Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good series, but I think the Celtics are going to win it pretty easily. Yeah, pretty disappointing that uh, Ben Simmons was uh, hurt to the point where he had to leave the bubble. Definitely not going to be available for this series. <clears throat> I know uh, Joel Embiid had some injury issues down the end of the seeding games, but the hope is that he'll be ready to go for the playoffs. And he's really dominated against the Celtics in the past. I, I don't yeah. think they have anything close to the size to, to do, really deal with Joel Embiid. But it's like if it's Joel Embiid and that's it, is that enough really to stop the Celtics? And we've been watching these Celtics all season. I mean, they have just so many ways that they can attack you on offense. I mean, they're uh, really, really, you go four deep, right? I mean, in terms of like uh, major offensive weapons on, on the Celtics squad, uh, you know, just at, at the top line with, uh, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Uh, Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward. I mean, they got, got a lot of ways to come at you. And uh, I think the coaching advantage as well with Brad Stevens going up against uh, Brett Brown here. I think it's going to be an interesting series and I'm excited to see it, but I think, um, you, I think you got to go Celtics. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's possible to me, uh, possible, I think that Joel Embiid could dominate to the point where he's able to win games by himself. So I don't discount that possibility at all. I'm going to take the Celtics in six as a result. I think there are going to be some Joel Embiid games here, but I think there's also a chance that he checks out if this looks like a lost cause. Yes. Um, series MVP, I think it's actually going to go. I think if the Sixers won the series, it's going to be Joel Embiid, or if the um, Celtics won the series, Jason Tatum. Yeah, I, I agree with you on both counts. I think, you know, Jason Tatum – I, I can't wait to see him in these playoffs. I mean, this guy is an unstoppable offensive player, has really only gotten up to that level in the last, you know, few months of, of NBA play. And uh -huh. getting to see him uh, getting after it, going off in the playoffs is going to be really fun. Yeah. So we're down to the last series here, and that's uh, the Raptors and the Nets. Mills, how do you feel this is uh, going to play out? Yeah, I think it's going to be um, Raptors in actually six. Yeah, so you give the Nets some credit here. I mean, you think the Nets are going to offer up a pretty good fight? Yes. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about what, what you're thinking. I mean, uh, the Nets obviously have played really spirited, you know, impressive basketball during the uh, the seeding games, but also obviously missing a lot of parts, including uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, as we mentioned before. But also, you know, I mean, Kyrie, KD, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince, Michael Beasley. I mean, they, they just have loads of players who are not available and they're working with a limited roster. Yeah. I still think they actually have a chance. Um, but I think it's going to go to six. Yeah, I think the Raptors are going to win in six games. Yeah, these Raptors just super deep and, and really, really tough to manage uh, defensively, I think. I think the, Nets are, the Nets, who have scored really well in the restart, are going to have a tough time. Uh, mm -hmm. going up against a uh, motivated, activated Raptors uh, defensive attack. And I think, you know, you have enough uh, en enough going on with uh, with the star players and scorers on the Raptors with uh, the championship experience of last year and the, uh, you know, phenomenal coaching of, uh, of, of Nick Nurse that uh, they're, they're going to be in pretty good position here to uh, take care of business. My feeling is more that uh, I could see the Nets getting a game. I think I'm going to take the uh, the Raptors, though, in, uh, in, in five. Yeah. Series MVP, I think it's going to be Fred VanVleet. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see that. I mean, I think there are a number of uh, possibilities on the uh, Raptors side that could take uh, Series MVP, whether it's VanVleet, Lowry, Siakam, Gasol. I mean, Even Ananobi. 
Absolutely. I mean, and it you know speaks to kind of the depth that there are a whole bunch of different ways you could see that playing out. I'll Maybe. take. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. There you go. Maybe even Norman Powell. Yeah, if he gets if he gets enough run, I mean, I, I think it really is going to come down to you know is is someone really hitting their shots? I mean, is someone like really shutting down their uh, opposite number on the other side? I mean, these are the kind of things that are going to determine it. Um, I think you know going with, with with a guard or going with Siakam or something like that makes sense, but this is one that I'm, I'm less confident in in terms of picking an MVP. I'll, I'll go with Pascal Siakam, so we have someone uh, uh, in in the book uh, yeah. I'm on record with with someone there. So this is going to be a really interesting first round, and we're going to uh, we're going to come back on our next episode and uh, talk about the uh, the West Con- Western Conference matchups. Now that we know that uh, it's going to be the Blazers taking on the Lakers in round one. And uh, can't wait to uh, get into some uh, playoff basketball here. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. So um, if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we are uh, all over the place now. We uh, welcome any feedback you might have. Uh, you can email us at uh, barnardsonthenba at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at barnardsonnba. We uh, will very much look forward to uh, being back with you in another couple of days. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Bye.